the German Innovators in China podcast. We are bringing innovation to China and Germany. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the German Innovators in China podcast. I'm your host today. My name is Till Amelburg. And um, I would also like to welcome you to a new podcast series that we're launching here in our channel. Um, because in the following seven episodes, we're going to talk to German innovators in China, to German or foreign or European entrepreneurs in China that build up their venture, and also to startups, to entrepreneurs in Germany and in Europe that have internationalized their startup towards China. And we want to do that because we talk a lot about startups going to China and how important it is and how difficult it is. But we rarely talk with the entrepreneurs themselves. So that's what we want to change with this episodes, with this series and um, really make their knowledge, their experience available to founders that are maybe at an earlier stage that also have China on their map or maybe people that are just curious and interesting and interested in China as such. And our first guest today is actually Julian Mergenthaler. He um, went off to China to build his own uh, laser processing company in Shenzhen. And I'm actually really looking forward to the conversation with him, how he really went from going to China completely alone, how he mastered all the challenges and now operates his own company in Shenzhen, has many customers there already. So this is going to be an exciting conversation. And we recorded the conversation in a Zoom call a couple of days ago. So the audio quality is not perfect. Please excuse us for that. But other than that, let's get to it. Please enjoy our first Chinapreneur podcast episode with Julian Mergenthaler. All right, Julian, thank you very much for doing this. Um, you're based in Shenzhen right now, right? Yes, hello, Till. Thank you very much. I am in Shenzhen and more particularly in Bauan, which is northwest is Shenzhen, since it's such a big city. And uh, we are close to the airport and the newly established uh, exhibition center, which is the biggest in the world. So it's a very industrial environment here. Yeah. A lot of factories around. Basically, every street is lined with factories as um, well Shenzhen got its reputation. And this is certainly still very much uh, like that. Yeah, and, and you're kind of stuck in China now. You cannot go out or how is the situation with all the corona? But I, I mean, basically, you have all your business over there. You, so you don't really need to get, go anywhere else, don't you? Yes, luckily, I am in China and got into China early this year when I came back from Christmas from Germany. So I just got into China um, basically before borders were closed and I went to Hong Kong to help to move uh, some things here and we came in the last day before the border was closed from Hong Kong. So well we can concentrate on our business here and obviously international travel is very limited right now. It would be possible and um, 
I would like to have gone to Korea and other countries in the last six months, but certainly hasn't been possible. On the other hand, inside of China, you can travel pretty much everywhere. All the flights and all the other public transport um, have been resumed since many months. And therefore, it is not a huge impact for me personally. But uh, obviously, the, the situation outside of China hasn't been too great. And uh, travel and some business, therefore, is impacted. And you don't really have to wear some masks or anything anymore. And events also are allowed. So I'm, I'm still, I'm just observing it from afar. Yeah. You know, I'm based in Berlin, but it's been, it seems really normal, back to normal, right? Yeah, I've really spent most of the last six months in Shenzhen where we didn't have a very critical situation. I think altogether the cases were less than 600. But still, there there was definitely a big impact on daily life, especially until March. And still today, um, there is some measures in place, like wearing masks and getting your temperature taken wherever you go, whether it's to a mall or to the public transport or outside your apartment even. So um, you're being checked several times a day, but it's, it's just... Uh, cautious and measures that don't really impact you anymore. I think yeah. it's quite reasonable to, to walk around and wear a mask in public transport. So we're getting used to this really. Besides from that, I would say everything is pretty much back to normal. All the restaurants, uh, events, cultural things are really uh, freely operating and uh, well visited. So I think since April, the situation is more or less back to normal. Obviously, you can still see because of the masks and, and the temperature controls that you are in a special situation, but it doesn't really impact you in your everyday life, I would say. Yeah. So I guess we're further than most other countries so far. Um, therefore, the main reason being it, it was incredibly tough lockdown early this year where nothing moved and nothing was open and you couldn't do anything than staying at home for eight weeks. <laughs> and we did that. But afterwards, uh, very quickly, everything relieved and, and got back to normal and back to business, which is great. Yeah, and I, 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 I remember we talked, I think, a month ago and you already said that business is really striving again and going forward. Um, I'm really happy that we can have this conversation and that you also can be part of this podcast series where we talk to some of the entrepreneurs that are based in China or have particular business in China directly and really talk about the, the, the exact issues and challenges and learnings that you have. But maybe yeah, you can give us a quick um story of yourself and your business and how and how china is involved in it so just to 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 kick off this this talk a little bit sure yes um well altogether i was always very entrepreneurial and i had the big opportunity to have a father that is an entrepreneur and 
basically grow up in a company, in a small company that was establishing itself in a certain area. And I've always found this very exciting and uh, tried to learn something from that. And I, I, I had a lot of opportunity to learn and um, basically to satisfy my interest in technology. So even during studying, I was uh, always taking part in this company and found some areas specifically in marketing and sales that I found particularly interesting, um, additional to the technology itself. So after studying, I worked there for one or two years. And then um, I had some interest in China, which I can't really tell where it came from, but I always looked out for well opportunities in basically in the world and therefore was always really interested in China and the developments here, which I found uh, were very rapid and, and impressive. And I came to Hong Kong during studying around six years ago now, where I had my first uh, on the ground impressions with this culture and the industry here. I started some marketing back then and we started going to trade fairs since about six years in China and we well had very in interesting and uh, unexpected occurrences and interest from the um, different companies here and basically from people that saw what we were doing on the trade fairs to quickly explain, uh, we are in laser industry, particularly in laser processing of materials and focus on laser soldering of electronics and plastic welding, which is also mostly used in electronics manufacturing. So we went to trade fairs for electronics manufacturing in China. And six years ago for this particular technology, there was a lot of um, excitement and enthusiasm from the people that we met here and I was almost overwhelmed by the well sheer intensity of the discussions there and how different in a way it is from what we did in Germany uh, to give an example when we exhibited on the trade fairs there a lot of people come with their urgent problems in in basically in their bags, they bring their current electronics that they need to manufacture next week. And they immediately want you to come up with a solution like right on the trade fair and ask if they can test it right on the trade fair. So it was really intense and um, well, exciting um, moments and experiences there. And uh, this kind of uh, got me to develop uh, um some yearning for for trying to establish ourselves there so after studying um i eventually decided to try it and started moving to china to hong kong in this case yeah. sorry stop you uh, for one moment sure. there. um so basically this you're you're coming from for the audience a little bit also a little bit from the small and medium-sized deutsche mittelstand kind of environment and uh, is that correct and and did and what did exactly what what was so fascinating for the 
for the Chinese uh, players there. I mean, because a lot of the German Mittelstand, they, they, they also sell into a lot of the foreign companies already that are already in China. Um, but you directly went into the Chinese market, right? You went on, went on trade fairs right away and talked to the people and were able to solve problems, technical problems right away. Uh, and can you put that in a, I mean, you already mentioned something, but can you put that again in a, in a nutshell? What, what exactly did you solve there? What technical problem or what kind of problem was that? Yeah. Yes. So our company is certainly from the smaller of the small, small and medium enterprises, but as a lot of German companies specialized on a niche and in our case is process control for laser soldering and plastic welding, uh, technology that allows you to easily set up and control these laser processes, which are not easy to control. So yeah. it enables people to automatically do soldering or plastic welding. And um, this is a niche technology that was very established in the German laser industry as a core or as a subcomponent to, to do this process control. And we definitely didn't have a big exchange or relation with China before we started to go there ourselves. Since we are such a small and niche company, we didn't have a, a global, well, in Europe and America before, but certainly not to Asia. And maybe it wasn't in much demand before, let's say six years ago. I think when we started to exhibit this manufacturing technology for electronics manufacturing in China, it hit a sweet spot in terms of their development and manufacturing. I think in around six or seven years ago, a lot of interest in China became to shift towards automated manufacturing, not from the traditional manual manufacturing that has been established all over the country and is well the, the base of the rise of the Chinese industry. But a lot of companies, even small companies were concerned with saving costs since in the last 20 years, the cost for workers, for manufacturing uh, employees in China has, has gone up so much. That was a point where machines that do automated uh, manufacturing became well competitive to human right. workers. So roughly around that time we started to go there and there was a new technology to do soldering by laser instead of traditional methods like solder iron, which could be handled by a human or by a simple robot. And um, that certainly caused a lot of interest for this technology, although it was almost unknown at that time, or probably because it was almost unknown at that time in, in China. It was very well established in Germany and also in Japan, mostly in the automotive industry to solder automotive electronics. But um, in China, it was, it was very new at that point. <laughs> Doesn't sound a long time ago, but um, it, 
it's, it changed very quickly also today this is almost standard in china but that's another story so at that point of time um our sort of niche technology um was quite unknown in china and un, not used so i think that's what caused a lot of interest and the main driving force behind it is that china started to automate their manufacturing the electronics manufacturing because of the rising labor costs right yeah and then you basically um built up a new company in hong kong and in china and in shenzhen right is it is it basically a, a kind of a uh subsidiary of your father's company or is it an altogether new technology uh, company uh, or has the same technology or yeah maybe you can tell a little bit about yes it. yeah it's independent um in every way we are the exclusive distributor for the technology of our german company or of my father's company but uh, the chinese company and the hong kong company is uh, founded and owned by me and is independent because of mainly the consideration that we figure out that the business will be independent in many ways and when we are using this technology and uh, applying it in shenzhen or in china but it's a very different market and it has a lot of different demands and it will have a different development as a company so um, it's not a subsidiary yeah and how did you do that so basically you said goodbye germany i'm going to china i'm going to do this because i see so much potential there we were overrun on the trade fairs so let's try it out so how did you do that and uh, and what how was the the journey to do that <laughs> yeah there was a, a certainly a journey to it and a, a very steep learning curve because uh, there wasn't too much consideration or planning behind it. I pretty much decided after another two trade fairs that we did there and uh, we were promised big projects if we you know, get closer. So um, the main issue was that we don't have anyone on the ground here and it's certainly I guess, at least for industrial products, impossible to do business in China if you don't have Chinese speaking and local subsidiaries, at least some distributor that you establish. So um, I figured out it's important to be there and I saw very limited uh, opportunity to learn more or to precisely find out what we need to do when I sit in Germany. So without much planning really, I just started. And because I quickly figured out that it's not so easy to just start in mainland China, I started in Hong Kong where I have previously been six years ago for a few months and where I knew some people and where I knew the, the city and the environment and where you can speak English everywhere. So. Right. Since Hong Kong has a very different legal system than mainland China, it, um, it's very different to establish a company there. In my case, at least a lot easier. 
and I just established an office there and started to pretty much travel to mainland China from there every week and to scout and find out more about mainland China with the ultimate goal of moving there. Okay, but, that, was, that was clear from the very beginning or was that also much. a process? Okay. Yes, I mean, I really learned more about the differences in the, in the um, well, ecosystems where after moving there and I thought it would be easier to do Hong Kong to China business. It's certainly not easy, although it's the same country. Right. It has a lot of restrictions, for example, customs. Like you cannot easily ship something from Hong Kong to Shenzhen. It's just two hours, but there's a border in between. And if you send something there, then there's customs. So you have to declare it. And that already means that you cannot easily borrow a system, let's say for a demonstration to a customer, because you basically have to sell it once you want to move it over the border. So there's a lot of obstacles doing business between these two parts of a country that um, became apparent only after I started. So pretty quickly I found out that I ultimately would have to go to mainland China if I want to do my business there. And I think this can be um, quite well, this can be almost established that if you have any business that's has to do with personal interaction and with uh, a sales process that requires you to be there or to do demonstrations, any sort of business that doesn't just go over internet or, or, or online service or something like that, um, then it's most recommended to be in mainland China. Right, and, and why Shenzhen? Just because it was uh right across the corner, uh, right around the corner to Hong Kong, because I mean, uh, if you're talking about uh, manufacturing and everything the Yangtze Delta is probably also mm -hmm. an important location, but why did you choose Shenzhen? Yes, so uh, it's very important to, before you establish your company, to figure out which areas are important and the main the main factor would be where your customers are because these, especially industrial business is very personal and requires a lot of personal communication and meetings and demonstrations. So both these areas, the Yangtze River Delta and Pearl River Delta, especially Shenzhen here and Dongguan um, were basically equally important for me. As you mm -hmm. say, there's a lot of companies in the Yangtze River Delta, especially international companies and big um, automotive companies and a lot of end users for our products. So when I moved to Shenzhen, it, it was almost uh, equally important for me to go to, to Shanghai or Jiangsu area or to Pearl River Delta, but um, Shenzhen has a lot of robotics companies and especially also laser companies like Hans Laser, for example, is the biggest laser company in China and they are in Shenzhen. So there's a lot of laser industry here, which is similar to my uh, company and where I was hoping to find first customers and to also hire from and to be in this environment of similar companies before we go to to Shanghai and uh, Jiangsu 
Yangtze River Delta area where we certainly have a lot of end customers that would be a second step for me but um, as you say both areas are very uh, important for us and probably for everyone that is doing some industrial business in China and it was uh, not an easy discussion decision so for me personally the laser industry that is situated mostly in Shenzhen was the decisive factor yeah okay and and, and do is there actually some kind of prioritization you had um, I mean a lot of, if we if, if we bring for example startups over obviously the the local governments I mean you uh, the Shenzhen government wants you to come to Shenzhen the uh, Shanghai government wants you to come to Shanghai but is this really the top priority was this really the top priority or was it rather I go to trade fairs I, I meet with my customers I establish trust with them and then they want to buy something and then I, I make the decision where I register my company or is was it like first really okay number one on the list register a company and then uh, I foc uh, focus more on sales or can you, can you not really define it like that? Or was it like all on the go and happening actually parallelly? Hmm. Well, I think um, as you mentioned, um, the main pull comes from the customers and you're yeah. well advised following um, the customers and setting up where they are. So, right. Obviously, depending on your product, but if you have something that requires interaction, like industrial equipment, which requires a lot of project communication and installing and after-sales service, it is required to be almost, uh, you know, immediately close to, to your customers. And uh, the service level is certainly rather high in China, and the amount of personal communication and service and support so you are basically required to set up very close to them almost uh, in in half an hour one hour driving distance and therefore i came to well this very industrial area of shenzhen i think it wouldn't be the, the main lifestyle choice for a lot of people to to live in in that area but if your priority is to develop your customer relationships, then you should certainly move very close to them. And first, before you set up, find out where they are and where the position is where you can reach most of them or your the highest priority, the, the companies that you want to start with, where, you, where, that, where that would be. Yeah. Right. And, and can you tell us a little bit about um, building relationship with these customers? Because what, what I often um, I'm approached by startups and they have a really hard time to, to get a feeling for their potential partners or customers. So it's they, they, they go to China for one week or maybe even longer, one or two months. And they and people say, oh, we're really interested. That sounds good. Let's have a meeting. And then they they don't hear back anymore. And uh, uh, and then they're kind of frustrated. And they put an end to that China engagement, or they stay and and slowly develop these relationships. 
have you have a, do you have a key learning in regard to that i mean i think your key relationships were really the customers right and you could really start selling your service and your products to the customers other startups might have the need to partner up with the other company because they cannot face the customers directly with their solution um, but how, how did that work out for you and what was your your uh, yeah your learning out of that yes i can certainly understand that it's not easy to figure out the real intents and what the real demand soon in my experience it's easy to create some first interaction and the threshold to establish some interest shouldn't be too hard if you have something that is required in china there will be a lot of people and a lot of companies and the right people even in these companies gaining some interest and i think there's no uh, threshold in terms of let's say uh, Mm, companies that think they don't need you or basically if there is a way to profit and to develop and to benefit for your potential customers then you will have a very low threshold to get into discussion with them and to establish some first um, well communication but as you say um, I definitely also see the point where you do this and then you don't hear back because actually it is perhaps just uh, an interest as an interest you would have for something novel and new but to not uh, a real demand so the key is certainly to find out whether this is just excitement and uh, whether you are just being, you know, regarded as, as something interesting or whether you can add real value. And this, this requires a lot of studying with the current solutions or the current products that are already being employed by your potential customers and to see how you can actually provide extra value to them to get to the next step where you basically being considered as a real supplier to them right, so right, right. that's that's the main challenge certainly because it, it will be rather easy to to create some interest and i definitely had this learning curve as i said we went to the trade fairs and there was tremendous excitement and we got almost run over on our booth but two weeks later already the situation will be different and maybe you would have some discussions or some demonstrations with, let's say, potential customers, but then you find out where they employ their manual workers and this is cheap enough for them. And you are maybe 10 times more, more expensive and therefore you will not be considered. But certainly at first, there will be a lot of interest being shown just to see some foreign or some novel technology. And um, yeah. I would definitely advise and that's what we need to learn more and need to do better to find out how the actual situation is and how for everything there already is a solution or a product so you need to compare yourself to that and therefore you also need to be very interested 
in in your potential customer situation and visit them in person and see their factory and what they're doing and really find out what their costs are and this takes a long time <laughs> yeah. i would say um, i'm not done after several years now and it's it's uh, one of the biggest challenges to find out uh, how what exactly you need to provide to beat the current solution and that's um, not easy because there will be excitement and you will feel like um, you you might be onto something but um, it might not be the case in the end when it comes to purchasing and to the actual decision and um, yeah the only the only way is to learn more about the solutions that already exist and to find out your niche there will be um, some niche that you can approach and that you can start with it's it's not possible to you know win the whole market in china in in a day or in a year or at all there it's so complex and so diversified and you need to find your particular niche um, that you can that you can um, start to yeah. add value to and um, and just what you mentioned i really like that the excitement versus real demand and yeah have you find out a fig uh, like a tactic or something where you where you can sense a real demand uh, uh, and um, um, differentiate between a real demand and just an excitement and was it also because i sometimes hear if the if the you know this is saying if the chinese really want something they want something they they stick to it and they will call you back and they and they want it and but was it was there also cases where there was maybe some excitement you didn't hear back and used that you were persistent and um, were persistent in meeting up with them again and then showing the factory that you can provide value and that in the end after several weeks and months you were able to get the deal were both situations happening or more one more than the other or how can just your learning um, yeah i'm not sure we ever succeeded in basically pushing someone to finally uh, come up or or understand what we can do i think um, you will g get a lot of excitement and being pushed and being called every day on on uh, your product information and on your demonstration and on whatever you should so supply and when when that stops then uh, this is a very bad sign and probably there's no no need to invest much more time it's just very important to and we're learning this and trying to make this better every day to figure out in the beginning to not get overwhelmed by that excitement but to also communicate from your side and basically to do the same to find out about your customer it's very easy to get lost in this if you're getting asked questions all day and then to just come up with answers and then you do a demonstration and then suddenly it stops because you probably didn't figure out how they work and what they do and um, you will feel this this pushing anyway so you can't really tell if it's a real demand because they're pushing or not because they will push anyway and we had a lot of 
almost any time, even if it's just excitement, the cases that um, immediately stop after we provided basic information or something like this. But even for this, we were pushed incredibly hard. And then from one minute to the other, after this initial excitement was satisfied, you don't hear anything anymore. And that's probably not a good sign. And probably it's, there's no need for you to investigate much more at that point. You should already do it earlier after you have been, you know, spending several hours or even days on some, someone who's just excited. So it's definitely possible to find out something in the beginning. Most of the time you have to immediately visit and, you know, compare and investigate yourself how the current situation is and what they're currently using. And that's most of the time you can find out about this if you ask, but it's very easy to get lost in this excitement and to answer all the questions. And then after two weeks, you know, you find out that you know nothing about the potential customer that is bothering you for two weeks. So right. This is um, in the end, the, one of the key challenges in the sales process. And um, for us, we try to do this early on now. It, yeah. it has been um, a lot of learning, but now we, we try to figure out early on what the budget is, you know, something like this, just figure out what the budget is. Most likely we'll get an answer. And if your product doesn't fall into the budget, then you have a, an issue, then you need to improve your, your product or, or have some, uh, some main uh, change in your approach. Right. Okay, going back a little bit to the, the journey of your company. So we stopped at uh, you going to Shenzhen and registering company there. So how, how have you developed now from that initial thing, uh, initial registering company going to China to, to now? Um, yeah, how big is your company now? Who are your customers? Um, how was the journey also to coming to this situation? Yes, I mean, this year we have uh, Corona and basically my op my office was established end of November last year. So I can say until I was home for Christmas and then I spent two weeks in China and I hired my first employee and then the, everything stopped for more than two months. So this year started a little late. But in April, March, uh, sorry, in, in April, May, the situation came back to normal and immediately there were a lot of hot projects. And since then I am looking for any good employee that I can find, which is not easy since we are, or I don't speak Chinese. And this will certainly be a problem for everyone that wants to establish themselves in an area where there's not a lot of international companies. And therefore, I found uh, three employees that I can work with in just the last few months. And the situation is much better than not being in mainland. So I'm very grateful and very happy that we did this step and moved to mainland and find local employees, which really boosts your business and I can already see the results even though it just has been a few months but uh, it's going really well and I think uh, next year especially will be very good to boost our business and to establish ourselves further 
it's uh, the main challenge right now to find suitable people to work with. Yeah, maybe we come uh, also talk about the people in a minute. But um, yeah, tell us again a little bit how, so what kind of business model and what, how are you working with, with your customers on, on what projects are you working at the moment? And what is your, yeah, again, the, the value add that you bring the, to them with your technology? Yes. We import the technology completely from Germany at this point. In the future, we will likely source in more parts from China, but basically we trade with, with industrial equipment, tools for certain processes, in our case, laser soldering, plastic welding. So we import the system, but we add a lot of value in terms of service, in terms of process development. And basically our customers come to us with a problem a product that they want to manufacture and that they don't have a technology or some technology or maybe they do it manually but they want to do it automatically so they come to us with a product that they want to process and ask us to solve the, the whole issue from testing this product with our manufacturing technology to installing our products into their manufacturing line and running up the operation and training their their um, well workers or operators to operate this equipment and to manufacture and then make sure the the quality stays the same for the next years and adapting to new processes to new products that they manufacture on this equipment so we add a lot of service on the product that we trade with and that's I think one of the main reasons why we win some customers here that is companies that have a, a certain manufacturing problem and they don't have the expertise themselves to work with such uh, complex and complicated equipment so we will definitely handle all the process development and all the application for them and they will basically pay for the service so it's very service intense especially i would say in china it, it's much more intense than we are used to in europe the amount of um well support you need to give is is very high and it everything you will be asked for. We are used to, from German engineers, they are in a way proud and likely to try to solve problems by themselves as far as possible. And they have the time and the knowledge, but mostly the time to deal with their own problems. And for example, if they have to integrate a tool into their machine, your tool, but here, Everything is urgent and it has to be done immediately. And if there's any sort of issue, no one will read their handbook. So they will ask you and they will want you to immediately deal with it and to provide the, the answer and the solution to them immediately. So you are definitely being asked to do a lot of support and that's um, what we well are happy to provide here. 
but um, that makes it a very service intense business. Okay, that's very interesting that you say that they more more have the, the time because what we always, you know, in these cliches, we still have in our heads, you know, the Chinese worker are not able or the Chinese engineers are not as good um, educated. Maybe that's also the case still. I mean, there's a, a, there's a long history of education here with the engineer in Germany, but it's different in China. But uh, interesting that you say that it's also the that they don't have the time, that they have such a high pressure on delivery, that they need to work with other uh, consultants and people um, who are trained in that particular area and, uh, and then uh, provide them with the, with the, with the you know, um, solution. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a critical factor very much. Um, and this is very different in these environments. I'm not sure about America, but in in Europe, certainly the everything runs a little slower and the manufacturing is not under such high pressure. A lot of manufacturing in China is very high volume and is actually being very automated. And basically, if one station doesn't run, then it will cause issues for the whole supply chain and for the whole manufacturing chain. And there's always incredible time pressure in, and things must be solved very quickly. And all suppliers to factories in China are under this pressure that they have to provide a very high level and a very fast level of service. And that goes for all projects pretty much, even before you start manufacturing, when, when there's a, when companies source for a solution to the manufacturing problem, they will only have weeks uh, to come up with a complete automated manufacturing solution. This also has to do with the products that are being changed so, mu so much, for example, in consumer electronics, but also in even in automotive, for example, the cars in China, the product cycles are much faster and Every time there's a new smartphone, the new generation will come up half a year later. And once the development is finished to go to manufacturing, they will only have weeks. So the whole time is so limited that they don't have the time to come up with, you know, uh, having everything in-house, understanding every right. new tool that is being used in manufacturing. Definitely the process cycles uh, the product cycles in electronics are incredibly fast and therefore the the cycles in the product development and in manufacturing are equally fast and it is definitely uh, required and expected that you are on call all the time <laughs> to right. solve these issues together with your customer and you are very responsible to do that. And if you have an attitude that in industrial business, if you, if you don't want to be available or go to vacation for two weeks with your whole company, that wouldn't work. You have to be available at least six weeks, six days a week and pretty much all the time. Right. And this is very, well, almost, I don't think it's very established or it, it's definitely strange to us coming from Europe where we turn phones off sometimes. Here people excuse themselves if they don't answer their phone for 10, 15 minutes. They will come up with a lengthy excuse why they didn't 
respond in 10 minutes. And this is certainly, uh, especially in Shenzhen, but also in the rest of China, very established to be on call and to be very responsive to any request from your customer. Right. But do I understand you correctly, going back to the value that you provide to the customer, that it's like a, um, that you are um, have a deep, deep knowledge, you and your colleagues have a deep knowledge when it comes to the technology. Was it, what is it exactly? Say, say again in English, sorry, I forgot that. Laser welding or soldering, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Sold, it's soldering and welding, these two processes soldering that we mainly welding. focus on. Yeah. Yes. And, um, um, but wouldn't that be the case when China develops further that this this uh, this can be taken over by other Chinese players? Um, where I'm going, where, where I want to get to is how how is the the future? You also mentioned automation. I also remember we talk, had a, a talk about that automation. Yes. Well, what is the what what can be your role in this whole area? Because we're also talking about startups, scale ups. What, what you're doing at the moment, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really a service that you provide to the customers and you, and you need people, obviously, to, to provide that service. Um, and then a scale-up or a startup would, would have also digital or automotive processes where you can provide uh, um, solutions to uh, multiple customers at a, at a short, uh, as a, on a uh, minimum overhead. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you can give a, a little bit of an insight into that. Yeah. Well, whatever you do, you will face competition in China. In mm -hmm. if you do any manufacturing or industrial related uh, business, pretty much anything, there will be competition. Or if there isn't, then there will be a few months later. So. The other, there's basically two strategies for us. One is to find a specific niche or a specific part of the market where we are most valuable and where we have the best way to compete. And this probably works for almost any business idea. You won't capture the whole market and it's too fragmented, too diverse and too complex to compete in every corner of China and to compete with every industry and with every level of product. So you have to definitely um, focus on a certain segment. And for us, that would be the well, high-end electronics, valuable electronics, because there the quality is the most important and our technology can help to have a very controlled and um, well, yeah, control process that enables you to improve and to control your quality. So we definitely have to focus on the really high end segment of the market because in the lower end segment, um, there will be incredible competition and very intense and fierce competition that can only be fought out by big companies which are funded in completely different ways. Um, therefore, it's very advisable to search yourself either uh, locally restricted or otherwise um, restricted niche 
for example, for us, we can work with automotive companies or with international companies that are willing to invest more and um, therefore procure our better high-end equipment. And then the other way is certainly also to innovate and to come up with a development that um, is based on what you are particularly good in. So for us, we have the advantage that we have already a long history. This company in Germany has established a lot of controllers in the laser industry. So there's around 2000 controllers running in industrial processes around the world. And one, this gives us the base for collecting a lot of know-how and a lot of experience on how to process different applications. So the second strategy is to use the collected data that we have to further improve our key advantage, which is the knowledge how to process something, how to process a specific product. And we are working on using this collected data and knowledge to improve our product and to focus on improving the process control because it's a knowledge-based product that can be or can make use of, in our case, the database that we establish and will give us a further edge of in competition in the future. So we definitely have to focus on developing a certain technology and in our case, it will be the process control. And this is an area where I see less competition in China. Generally, I think companies that are based on doing well creative work, solving problems in a new way, they will have a, a chance to compete in a niche of the market if they focus on, for example, the high-end sector or specific industries specific parts of the medical industry or aerospace or whatever business they are in. But um, for us, it's certainly very important to work on knowledge-based products, in this case, software that makes it able to improve processes and to automate and control processes in, in an intelligent way. I think this is a, a niche where we can use our previous experience and stay competitive even if there is newer players in this market which establish themselves with um, very cheap solutions and that probably have a wide reach on on a market but have less experience in in this control and i think in a lot of industries these knowledge-based solutions like sensors, process control, or um, software that makes the operation of machines automated, easy to do, there is a chance for companies, not necessarily foreign companies, but companies that have an edge there to yeah, keep, uh, keep their competitive advantage if right. they, yes. And, and this IP, and patents play a role actually for you uh, in that regard as well? 
it can for us personally i think some ip protection would make sense on the other hand you always have to figure out whether it's enforceable and being such a vast environment you you would have to well find out about ip infringement which is not necessarily possible all the time i think for most companies definitely makes sense to protect their ip it's possible in china to enforce ip infringements um more or less effectively so mm. certainly if you want to protect part of your development part of your technology it makes sense to to file patents and it also enhances the value of your company in the eyes of investors obviously so it's advisable but you have to definitely calculate if you can enforce it for us being a very small company we have very limited resources to go around and go after ip infringements so once you reach a certain size and and have the resources it definitely makes sense in our particular case we don't really have the the resources so it's not a top priority but it will be in the future once we gain a certain size okay so you putting you rather putting the resources in in going further building a brand uh, innovating further rather than putting all the resources in filing patents and then also going after patents laws law cases and everything right understood correctly right? yes yeah. yeah i think in our case it's more important to move ahead with product development and invest in that and for since it's software based mostly it is not that easy to copy and to protect in the first place so it doesn't in this particular case make sense right now but um, for most companies if they come to china with a technology that they develop abroad or even if they don't come to china it probably would make sense if they have the the possibility to file their patents and their trademarks here it's very advisable and it should be done locally which is the best way to ensure that you can enforce it right yeah and um, the thing that you just mentioned i mean this idea of um building as a, a probably scalable business model based on data on uh, intelligence from all the controllers and sensors that you have in place all over the world in the factories and everything have you also considered or have you done that to pitch that to let's say for example chinese investors or chinese partners and ask the other way around uh, have you been approached by chinese investors or big companies that want to invest in your buy your company already um yes mostly by chance but um The thing is right now for us we we don't urgently are looking for investment but want to build our product and our reach uh, further first but uh, we have been approached a lot and I think others might be as well um there is a, a big openness and as I mentioned earlier it's it's easy to get some excitement when you have something interesting and therefore also 
a lot of offers of investment or common uh, joint ventures and such came around where some of them are certainly quite interesting for us um, it makes sense to evaluate properly and to find the right partner or investor to deal with so it is something um, that we definitely consider and probably makes sense for development intense companies to consider finding some funding and uh, it's certainly not too difficult i i think when you have a technology that is scalable and has a very useful meaning cost saving um, advantage so in this case i think there will be offers coming from companies that you deal with bigger companies like you mentioned that are interested in this technology and to have a uh, share or bind this technology to them and therefore yes we have received uh, very concrete offers and quite a lot but um, we also want to make sure that we in the end choose the right partner that brings us funding but also uh, advantages or benefits on the for the development and since we are a foreign company and not very established in China, this would certainly be someone that has resources in sales or mm -hmm. can connect you to the right customers. I think what a lot of companies that come to China could be looking for is, is a partner that can help you to deal with the local environment in many ways. So this is almost equally important to just funding yeah, but it's also interesting to see that you were that this is not the number one priority for you at the moment. You, I think, uh, um, it's I think it's a good way to to first provide this value and uh, and demonstrate have the demonstration and the traction uh, on the ground that you then can use. And then, as you just mentioned, it's just automatically companies will come to you and are, will, will show their interest in, in buying your company or investing your company. But um, I understood you correctly, right? That you are really f focusing on this organic growth at the moment and um, see a potential investment rather as a bonus, uh, rather than as something that you really, you know, put, put all your efforts in on a daily, daily business level. Yes, you mentioned the traction and I think it's quite important if you come to China as a foreign founder, it will be very difficult to get funding when you are in a research phase or you have only a, an early idea of what you want to do because most investors will want to see traction and they will want to see something that impresses them and it would be most likely if you have a track record or a case with a big company, for example, right? If you have supplied something to Huawei, then this will impress um, other people and that will certainly open the doors to, to investment and to a reasonable valuation. And yeah, for us, I want to develop the product further. And uh, we are on a lot of these cases that I mentioned 
it would give us um, a record and references which really improved the, the reputation and the valuation. So luckily, since we are a startup, but we deal with established technology, this is not the, the main concern right now to do research or to do development on a product, but more important is to get traction here. And that can be done right now without a considerable investment, but we can fund it from our own um, repeat customers and from our own income at the moment. And I think as, as we said, it, it's very important to have some proven success before you call on to investors here. Otherwise you're gonna probably have a hard time. It might differ if you are already a well-established uh, team in some deep technology. Let's say you are a team of five people that have a 20 year track record in chip design. Well, then yeah. you might get funding before you bring something onto the market. But in most other cases, it would be important to have something to, to show. Yeah. yeah, and coming back also to the team in this regard. So um, um, the Chinese employees you have on the ground, what value are they? I mean, we don't have to talk about, I think, the, the, the challenge of, of finding people in China. I think there's been a lot of discussion already about this. But what would, would interest me is what what are you looking out exactly for your business? Is it in all areas or is it more the communications and sales? Is it more the, the, the one person assistant, your your one hundred percent trust that you that you go take along with it to all your customers meeting? Um, or is it more really the engineers that you that you train that you need? to go with you to the factory and, and, and provide the solutions. Um, what are there the, the priorities and how do you go about this? Yes, I think the biggest challenge would be in the two areas, the engineering to have people that understand and can cope with your product um, reasonably independently, but Perhaps the most enigmatic and complex field will be sales, especially for industrial products where the sales process differs vastly from European uh, process that we are used to. So this is um, yeah, almost uh, hard to decipher for me as a foreigner how sometimes these processes close and become successful. So it will be a key to find someone that can handle this for you in an appropriate way in your interest and that you can trust. So I think this is the, the biggest challenge in the, the field where you want to look for someone that can really help you and work in your interest and has the resources that you don't have in the sales of industrial products. Yeah. yeah, and maybe also slowly coming to an end, I have a couple of last questions. You just mentioned challenges. Are there, what are the, I mean, maybe if it's possible, but leave out Corona a little bit, um, but um, 
what are the key challenges right now? Is it, is it the team like to find the right people um, to, to keep the traction going? Is it the, the sales? What would be the real, the key challenges for you now at the moment? I think uh, the team, as you say, that's the bottleneck for me at this point. Yeah. We are pretty well equipped with technology and we don't have the financing issue at the, pro at the moment. So to implement the strategy requires people that stay with you and that can, well, yeah, follow you and you can work together with over the next years. So it makes it very difficult to, depending on where you are, but uh, to find people that suit your business and that you can communicate with in English, which is basically the only uh, usable language for us in this office. So either you find uh, a Chinese partner already that you have a joint venture with and that will deal with these issues for you. If you go on your own and you have a completely well foreign owned enterprise, then you will probably need to hire people that speak English and there the, this reduces the amount of people to maybe 0.3% of the, of the pool. So that's absolutely the key challenge for me to establish a team that works well together and find uh, suitable people in in this environment it might really vary if you are in an area where there's a lot of international companies in your industry it might be much easier so for us being in this industrial field and working almost exclusively with local companies you don't really find much um, encounters where you uh, have someone that you can talk to in English. So that reduces the connections that you can use to, to find suitable partners. Because I think after all, the best way to find people is to, through people that you know, or people that you know directly from business, because you can um, imagine how, how they would be if you already have um, business relationships with them. So, well, yeah. As I said, the biggest challenge is to find people that speak English and that you can trust and in your in your particular industry when when you are in far from international companies. Yeah, and you just also mentioned one one point that would be also my last question or my last area I want to talk about with you. Uh, what about um, network on the ground? You mentioned other foreign companies. I, I re also remember in our last call, uh, you said that you just only recently uh, met another foreign founder uh, or another German founder down your street. I mean, this is really different because I worked in, in, in consulting in Shanghai around 2012, 13. Um, and I went a lot to Taizang, Kunshan, Shanghai, these areas. And it's, it's I mean, Taizang, it's, it's like you go, uh, you uh, drive around Baden-Württemberg and Bayern. It's just one, one of one hidden champion next door to the other. And they, they meet up on, uh, in, the, um, in the evening to have a beer. And, uh, and they 
uh, have maybe the same customers, they can exchange all these these um, things. And that's what also what we want at Jin want to do a little bit too, and why we're also having this conversation. Um, how can how how can we help you or how what would be something that would help you more um, uh, in regard to networking or community building uh, and uh, what would will really bring you a value or is this overestimated altogether and um, it's just the most important point is really to to go to you know go to the fight and jump into the customers and, and meetings and and networking, community building, exchanging experiences is not as important. So what is your take on that? I definitely underestimated the importance for a long time. I didn't go to any sort of networking events or really just jumped right in and, and fought every day by myself. And on different levels, it's important to have an exchange with other people that are in a similar situation or just uh, share some experiences and um, all networking events even on a personal level where you just meet people maybe other foreigners that um, establish themselves in in another country in another environment so obviously there's internations and these sort of expat groups that uh, do events where you can just go to and you meet very open-minded people that are happy to chat and this gives you a feeling of uh, not being by yourself and yeah. i think it's very important but i started very late with that and i met very interesting people that uh, helped me personally and in business on these web personally oriented events um, i think it's not too difficult to find if you're looking for that and I would advise, I think for me, it has been very helpful after all. Then on a business level, there is a lot of challenges for entrepreneurs where they could use for help from private or public organizations. And I guess there's still quite some space for improvement. Uh, certainly, or personally, I haven't really gotten any support, I would say, from like the city or or any sort of organization i'm not sure whether it doesn't exist i guess it would make sense to look for that again perhaps in shanghai and Jiangsu area the cities that you mentioned there should be a lot more support for foreign companies to establish themselves so it depends on the area but um, i'm not too aware and that would, would be something that I would appreciate if there was more help on a professional and business level to help you to figure out where to go and uh, how to establish your company, which is a sort of complicated legal process in China and how to hire people. The main challenge that we, that we talked about, um, if there was some contact, that would be very helpful, but I'm not too aware. There's some accelerators or some mostly private companies that I think help with these issues and that can be approached. And that's something that I would definitely consider. But um, yeah, that, that, that's one area, this professional networking, where, which can be very helpful and where I could use more support in a way, yeah. Okay, and, and for Shenzhen, for example, like 
local meetups. I mean, Shenzhen obviously has a, a, a very um, dynamic startup scene. Have yes. you tapped into that or is that another industry for you or um, how does it overlap also industrial and digital and hardware? And, uh... Yeah, sadly, I didn't participate too much. There is, yeah. uh, there is certainly a lot of events for makers and, and IT and app, all sort of internet technology related uh, meetups. Uh, for my particular industry, I guess it's less. Most startup companies would probably and reasonably focus on, on such an area. And I think they can rely on, on a network that um, that can support them more, especially exchange with other founders. I guess it would also be useful for me. Um, I'm still not not taking enough uh, advantage of these possibilities. Right, right. Yeah, I think well, it, it, I had very good experiences and it's, it's very recommended to do it. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much also for this advice. I think we are also continuously improving and really try at Jin to to provide some value and some insights to to other people that are in this area and i think a lot of people are stuck in this this first area where they go to china for the first time and they can't really know where to where to oh my, it's, it's such a big market there's so much opportunity and there's so much interest and excitement but still I don't know where I'm at uh, with, with the Chinese partners. I don't know where to put China really on my agenda. Do I have to go all in? But I, I think what your example today really showed is also this all in approach, right? Like you, you really decided you didn't do something. Okay, um, let's do a subsidiary or it's just start out with this distributor in China, some partner and, and go for three to four years and then maybe some little sales happening and I go to China every other month. But you were really set from the beginning on, which is really interesting that you, because you didn't really have any China background and say, I'm, I'm doing all in, I'm going there, I'm living there and I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to do it. So um, that's, that's really interesting. Obviously it was also your initial experience with this being overrun at the trade fair um, yeah, but thank you very much for the conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I think um, that was some very exciting points. Um, if people still would like to get in touch with you, would that be okay? What would be the best channel? I mean, you can definitely approach me and I can make an intro to Julian, but uh, you're probably on WeChat and LinkedIn, right? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Julian Nergenthaler. So that would be one way or perhaps can find my company, which is called Blitz Laser. And uh, that's one way. Otherwise I would advise to approach over you. And yeah, I'm, as you said, Jim is great. I was very happy to stumble upon that. And I think that's exactly what people in my situation are looking for. It was my pleasure to talk to you too. Thank you, it was my pleasure as well. Talk to you soon again. Bye-bye. Sure. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening to the German Innovators podcast. I would like to, if you would like to get in touch with Julian or us, feel free to contact us on LinkedIn, as also noted in the show notes. 
If you have any topics that you would like to have covered in the future episodes, also feel free to contact us. And most importantly, if you have any feedback of any kind that's highly valued, please approach us. We hope, hope to welcome you again next episode. Bye.